Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 369. And tonight, we are back on schedule. We are recapping Laura Olympus, episode 249 and 250. 249 is available for free right now on the Webtoons app. And 250 is only available if you're fast-passing, which we are. And I do feel like these two episodes were back to the more quiet kind of establishing things rather than the crazy all the information stuff we got the last two episodes. Yeah, I think 249 has a lot more information about, well, it's about Hera. That's the entire episode. It starts with Hera locked in her room and Hestia calling to her, trying to get her to open the door because she's worried about her. And Hera's like, nope, I'm fine. I've probably just got a head cold. It's fine. You can go away now. And Hestia finally leaves, and you flash back to the inside, and Hera's just sitting on the ground, and Kronos is standing over her going, I thought she'd never leave. And then you get Hera's backstory, all the way back to what led to her being nicknamed the Golden Traitor. Yeah. Um, She talks about the fact that Kronos, who they were trying to defeat, he's a god, but he's also in his way a man. And I liked how she said at one point, they're trying to defeat him, and they said our only foothold was his loneliness. And that's just like, for all that he was like this crazy, fucked up individual and everything, he really did want to connect with someone. He really did want to be in love with someone. But any of the consorts that he had never stayed around very long because he was crazy. And that surprised me that any consort would have been allowed to leave. They... they showed one consort just angrily stomping away because I'm sure he's impossible to be around. Um, I guess he, I mean, he was in love with Rhea, but at this point, Rhea's already like been drained of all her power and has gone into hibernation for, I guess, thousands of years. So he's alone, and Hera comes along, and she, of course, just charms the hell out of him. She pretends that some satyrs stole her dress when she was bathing and asked him to take it down for her, and she uh, thanks him prettily, and she starts walking the way, and you see Kronos say, you are the color of blood. And I had to think about it for a minute. Yes, mm-hmm. the icor, whatever it is, that's it's golden, and that reminded me of Alita 1 from Transformers. That's exactly it. The second I thought it, I was just like, I love the fact that Alita one is pink in the cartoons and it took the I don't remember if it was more than meets the eye or till all are one where someone pointed out that's like yeah pink is the color of energon so she's colored like blood and that's really scary that is very scary oh um if anyone hears any noises in the background it's uh july 2nd as of time of this recording and everybody's setting off fireworks now so and i'm sure that's going to be like the next four five days we're gonna have people setting off fireworks with july 4th being in the middle of a week which is kind of awkward yeah and all of our thoughts go out to the people who have dogs i mean we're just sitting here like oh well fireworks whatever oh god i've got some friends with dogs who are like they're so terrified of fireworks i'm like i'm really sorry yeah when nathan was working at a dog boarding place they would have people that would bring their dogs in because the dog boarding place like it was more I don't know secure you were like further in the building and maybe further away from residential areas where there were fireworks so yeah people would board their dogs to get them away from the fireworks oh my goodness gracious anyway thunder shirts I've heard they actually do work uh we tried it on forest our great big scaredy cat and 
I think the only thing it did was that he didn't like walking in it, so he would just kind of collapse. I don't know that it calmed him down. And after a certain yeah. point, he associated the Thunder shirt with a scary trip in the cat carrier. Aww. So, yeah. Bless. <laughs> oh, poor, poor Forrest. Okay, so... Hera basically kind of plays hard to get, you know, she's sort of like leaving him. And I don't know, he says something about how she's like walking away from a god or a king or whatever. And she's like, ah, you wouldn't be interested if it was too easy. And she says she can't remember if the whole plan was Zeus or hers, but Zeus did get pretty pissy about it. I mean, here it's his idea to have her distract Kronos by making Kronos fall in love with her, but he gets all pissy because Kronos is in love with her. And I'm like, that's really not fair. Yeah, the commenters pointed this out, so I had to go back and reread this to verify she says, you'd get bored if I made it too easy. And Kronos mm-hmm. said, only a fool would grow bored with a goddess the color of blood. And then it instantly flashes over to Zeus. So, like, that was deliberate. Because Zeus, mm-hmm. he got bored so fast with Hera, either because that's just how he is or because he kind of poisoned himself with this whole idea about her cozying up to Kronos means she's no longer worthy of his attention. I don't know, but... No, I love all of the drawings of Hera in this. Yes. This made me really feel like Rachel's been hoping to do a Hera-centric episode because everything, you know, when she's curtsying to Kronos, when she's putting her dress back on, when she's doing up her hair for another session of going over to charm Kronos, it's all gorgeous. But she says, I was young and I was unprepared for how confusing it would all be. So the sense yeah. I'm getting is, is that she seduced Kronos But she's very young, and she knew it had to get physical or he would get bored with her. So they had sex, and obviously that's done something to her. I mean, it's a terrible thing, and she didn't tell anybody because she didn't want to burden anybody with that information. But you do get this idea that just maybe even out of just survival, she developed some kind of emotional bond with Kronos. Yeah, I think it would be hard not to. I mean, it's, I don't know, this all goes to the idea of like the age of consent. And there is a certain age where it's like, you're too young to say yes to sex. I mean, and I don't know exactly what that age is, but clearly Hera was too young to be doing that. Yeah. And it's also the age and power differential makes it even more problematic. Yeah. So she talks a little bit about the other goddesses. Like she knows that Demeter was hurt, that Zeus chose her over Demeter. Um, It was just one more wrinkle in the entire ugly situation. Yeah, but she says what she did in order to help defeat Kronos, having sex with him, cozying up to him, she's she's like very determined. She says, I deserved to be the queen of the gods. I did what was necessary. And then she says, but I think Demeter got the better end of the deal anyway. And you see this one drawing of Hera and Zeus, and Zeus is giving a side eye to a nymph that's walking by. And it's just like, it didn't even take that long for him to suddenly show his true colors. It's so awful. Why is... Why is she still with him now is what I keep wondering. I mean, now that, like, the kids are grown up, all this stuff has happened and everything, is it just because she is still determined to be queen of Olympus after all this time? I think so. I don't think she wants to give up that power. 
One of the commenters said that Hera isn't just the goddess of marriage, which, you know, of course, her being the goddess of marriage, dissolving a marriage would be problematic, but she might also be the goddess of divorce, which would be a lot more in the theme of Hera having a lot of power as a woman, which apparently throughout history... People have been sort of whittling away at that, and instead of being this all-powerful goddess and protector of women and marriage and everything, they kind of turn her into sort of like the shrew who's always jealous of Zeus going out and having affairs. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, a lot of that revisionist history tends to go on quite a lot, but... um, But then she talks about, like, what's going on now, like, after all this time, and she says, I never imagined Cronus's obsession with me would last all these years. I mean, it has been, since Kronos got banished to Tartarus, I mean, it's been a really long time, and he's still, like, that's his main goal. He wants Hera. Yeah, and she's talking to him as she's lying in bed, and she just tells him, I can't do this anymore. We're always going over history, and you never even answer any of my questions. And Kronos says, I want you to admit it. And there had been this flash of a memory of the two of them lying next to each other and Kronos telling her, I love you. And I think that she was responding, I love you too. But everything was kind of grayed out. But as, as Harris says, she didn't, I think she said something like she doesn't want to admit anything or she just did what she had to. And then suddenly Hestia's there. And, yeah, yeah. and she was, Hera was dreaming, and Hestia told her, I know you're the queen of the gods, but I don't always have to obey orders. And, <sighs> and Hera hugs her, and she just tells her, I'm so tired. And you really feel for Hera at that moment. You really do. And she actually admits it. She tells Hestia, she says, I can see Kronos, and he's here. And I'm like, ah, oh, finally, God, she just, she's been hiding that for we don't know how long. How long has she been seeing Kronos? Has it been like, did it start before the 10 years that Persephone was gone? Was it sometime in the middle? Has it been just since she awoke from the 10 years? We have no idea. We have no idea. But a lot of the commenters have been saying how much they love Hestia now. Because mm. Hestia, you know, she helps Hera into a bath and says, okay, we're going to get you cleaned up and then get you some carbs. <laughs> and everyone, I mean, between this and her confronting Demeter about humiliating her daughter and about her letting um, Hades go when Demeter had trapped him. Hestia is really rocking it since she woke up from her um, for her coma. Oh my goodness, she makes all of the good choices. And I hope that I hope that uh, Athena appreciates what a babe she's got. That's yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go right into episode 250, which, like we said, only available if you have the fast pass. So spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. So we start with Hades, and Hecate walks up, and he asks her if Morpheus is ready for the sleep dive. And she says yes, but Morpheus is also really kind of unsure, so she wants Hades to be gentle with them. And we do use they-them pronouns this entire time. I don't think we've done that before. It seemed a lot more clear this time, but yeah, I'm non-binary, so that's good to know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really feel like a huge chunk of this episode can be summed up with Morpheus is really unsure of themselves because Morpheus is like trying to give positive affirmations about how they're a good person and they deserve good things and they're really powerful and everything. So yeah, Morpheus, very nervous about this dream dive with Hades. Um, Hades and Hecate are watching a gigantic drill that's going down to 
Tartarus to try to get through to where Kronos is. And Persephone calls over at one point, and I love how dynamic that drawing is. I mean, she's just saying, I dropped off Dionysus at the daycare in building two. And she's just, it's just beautiful, just pop of color and her with her hand up and her hair waving everywhere. So yeah, really like that. But she doesn't know how to get over to where Hades is. And Hades gives her this really complicated set of instructions And Hecate says, why doesn't she just fly over here? And then Persephone looks kind of unsure, and she says, I'm going to check on seeing if I can feel anything with Tartarus one more time. So I don't know what all that was about. That seemed like a little bit of comedy for for no reason there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just Hecate asking that question. I'm like, I don't understand either. There was just like a lot of business going on there for no reason. But as we know, Rachel very rarely does stuff for no reason. So that's probably going to come up later. Um, She comes down to the ground. She's trying to like feel out if she can feel Tartarus, who she has a bond with Tartarus. So that's not, you know, an unreasonable thing to imagine. But I don't know. Hades says to Hecate at one point that nobody is as hard on Persephone as Persephone is. So Mm -hmm. I like Mm -hmm. that because we've certainly seen him tell her that. It's nice that he's telling other people that, that Persephone just doesn't give herself a break. So Persephone and Hades go to where they're going to have the dream dive. And at one point, there's a little bit of a misunderstanding where she's unbuttoning his shirt. And he's like, oh, well, other people are going to be coming in soon. We don't have a lot of time, but I think I could try it. And she's like, no, you have to get ready for all the, you know, the injections and things. And besides, Etna is standing there. And Etna says something like, oh, don't worry. I'm completely indifferent to you having sex. <laughs> it's just amazing. And then you see Hecate talking to Morpheus. And Morpheus is, of course, very nervous. And Hecate reassures Morpheus and says, remember what I told you? And Morpheus says, Hades has a lot of harsh edges, which may lead you to believe he's intimidating, but in actual fact, he's a huge dork. And I'm like, yes. Perfect description. Especially since they go in and Hades is already loopy from the drugs. And he looks like he's so excited. I set aside an entire calendar block for this. So that's that's definitely means he's taking it seriously. So he goes down into the dream dive and he kind of morphs into the child version of himself. And then he sees the glowing image, I guess, of the other god and looks terrified. And then you see everybody else around Hades and the beeping of the heart monitor just goes faster and faster. And then suddenly Morpheus is kicked out of the dream dive and Persephone tries to wake him up and he opens his eyes and she said, everybody run, this isn't Hades. Oh, it was so exciting. I mean, the countdown that happened, you see like this 10, 9, 8 counts all the way down and then he's in there and then... You've got like, I don't know, the beeping of the rover gets faster and faster. And then you see Morpheus open their eyes looking horrified and then everything goes red. And then that's when they get kicked out and they say, this is supposed to happen. And then you see, I mean, Persephone knew from the very first second that that wasn't actually Hades. Yep. And it was Kronos and Kronos grabs her and he tells everybody to back off. And she's like, you let go of my husband. And he said, I told you to bring me Hera. And he tells everybody one wrong move and I will rip this goddess's head off. And that's where the episode ends. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> and, and like when she's saying, you know, you let my husband go and her eyes are already red, she never looks scared. She always looks like very angry and vengeful. And I'm like, yes, queen of the underworld. <laughs> now, I have a question because Kronos mm-hmm. is demanding for them to bring Hera to him. Does that mean the Kronos that Hera's been seeing isn't real. 
Is she actually hallucinating the presence of Kronos this entire time? I am going to say no. I don't know why I say that, though. I feel like she really has been seeing Kronos. Like, he actually, he really does have his claws in her. So, I don't know. But maybe it's just a very tenuous thing. I'm not I sure. don't know. I don't know. Very strange. But, yep, yep. So, that's, that's the episodes. Oh, my goodness. The commenters were, of course, amazing. And this one, one of my favorite comments, it's just in all caps. It just says, Control Z, edit, undo, backspace, backspace, backspace. <laughs> get out, get out, get out. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, the, somebody else said the minute Persephone's eyes go red, I stop worrying about purse and start worrying for that poor bastard who got her mad. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> there were a few people who said you almost feel a crumb of sympathy for Kronos at this point. But I think a lot of people are basing that on the fact that he was crazy and Zeus is the one who is being a total jerk in all of this. Yeah. I mean, once again, it's all Zeus's fault. I'm willing to bet Zeus was the one who had the idea for Hera to seduce Kronos. And then he had the gall to get mad when she went through with it and made it work. Yeah, yeah. Is that... I never saw the movie Indecent Proposal, but I seem to remember that's the theme of that one as well, that an old man wanted to have sex with a woman and her husband said she should go ahead and do it. And then he got really pissed off when she went ahead and did it. I mean, is that the theme of that movie? No, it's more complicated than that. The sex was not implied or or even a requirement. It was just her spending the night. And I think it was then the rich guy was still interested in her and it just kind of started poisoning their relationship. Ah, okay. Yeah, got it. Though I could do see some parallels. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was it for the episode. And again, like, this is a cliffhanger, but I don't know. It's not the same type of cliffhanger I would feel as if we had, like, a Persephone Demeter cliffhanger or a Persephone Apollo cliffhanger or an Apollo Artemis cliffhanger. So I still, I know the story that I want to hear. And so I'm like, at this point, I'm like, I'm good for another two weeks on this one. That'll be fine. Yeah, I think once the Kronos storyline intersects with the Apollo storyline, which I'm fairly sure it will, that uh, just just because Apollo's trying to position himself as being the person to take over from Zeus, and I think Zeus knows that because that's what he did to his father, but I don't know if Apollo still thinks getting Persephone's power is uh, an option. I mean, he okay. may he may still think that because he had sex with her, that was what creates the bond. He doesn't realize that the goddess has to actually love the god in order for that to happen. I don't know. I really do kind of want to see what Leto has to say about all this. Because if she knew that Apollo had been a jerk to Persephone and told Persephone, you don't have to love me to be my wife or mm-hmm. whatever... Does she know that he raped her? I don't know that she does. I don't think she does. I don't think she's the kind of goddess that would try to excuse him and say, oh, he just got carried away. You must have misunderstood. I think she would know that he went too far and be just mad that he ruined her plans, not that mm. necessarily that he traumatized another person. Right. And certainly Artemis feels like Apollo and Leto had been keeping secrets against her, so she felt really horrible about that. I would love to have Artemis throw it into Leto's face to be like, do you want to know why? Why Persephone doesn't love him because he raped her, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just we'll see. I don't know. Ugh, we haven't seen Artemis since she went toe to toe with Apollo. So. Yeah. yeah. And we still don't know who the god or whatever it is, the entity 
that he's talking to in the Starfield. Although I think right. I think even the Lore Olympians said they thought it might be um, Oranos or Oranos yeah. or however that's pronounced, the god of the sky. Yeah. I mean, I would hope that. I mean, they overthrew Arenas a long time ago, and then they overthrew Kronos, but those people just won't stay dead. They really so won't? it's just oh, irritating. So the one thing I wanted to talk about this week is, because there was a lot of travel going on last week, I was listening to a lot of podcasts, and I checked up on Flix Watcher. I highly recommend Flix Watcher. You could just scroll through and find movies that you like. They only review movies that are available on Netflix, though... They are Netflix in the UK, which may be different here. Anyway, so they actually reviewed Unfriended, which we watched. Yeah. Yeah. I think they genuinely liked it. You know, it's it's certainly not a perfect film. And all of them felt like the ending was sort of a little bit of a letdown, which we thought so as well. But I remember they were talking about some other films that had done a similar thing Mm -hmm. that maybe did it better. So, there's this film called Searching, and it came out in 2018, which is four years after Unfriended. And the storyline is, after David Kim, which is played by John Cho, who was Sulu in the new Star Trek movies, uh, after his 16-year-old daughter goes missing, a local investigation is opened and a detective is assigned to the case. But 37 hours later, and without a single lead, David decides to search the one place no one has looked yet, where all secrets are kept today, his daughter's laptop. In a hyper- modern thriller told via the technology devices we use every day to communicate, David must trace his daughter's digital footprints before she disappears forever. And I'll tell you right now, IMDb gives this one a 7.6. Really? Okay. That's, um, hmm. All right. I've not heard of that one. There's another one that I haven't watched yet that is in a similar vein. I think it's called either Host or The Host. And It's about, you know, someone who's hosting a Zoom call, I think, or something like that. And can you look up an IMDb and see what the rating is for that one? Because I want to feel like, I want to say that one, for some reason, a lot of people want to bag on Unfriended. And I guess I get that. But I'm kind of curious about anything that people think was better. Yes, it's actually coming in at 6.5, which let's just give Unfriended a look. What did Unfriended come at? Okay, that's not fair. Unfriended is coming in at a 5.6, which is clearly too harsh. I think that's way too harsh. I think people yeah. possibly got irritated with the fact that it's a bunch of kids screaming at each other for like yeah. hour and a half or so. But it's clever, darn it. It is really clever. And yes, the ending was not great. But yeah, I'm definitely, I mean, they talked about both host and searching as being a similar thing, but having done it better than Unfriended. Hmm. And they didn't bag on Unfriended, but they did, you know, several of them thought it was less perfect than the others. But um, yeah, so, I mean, it's now July, so we are on the downward slide away from summer, getting into fall, and as we know, fall season is when we have to watch all of the horror movies Mm -hmm. that we like, and we, we don't like the gross-out stuff. We don't necessarily need gore. We certainly don't need the torture porn stuff. But uh, we're always looking for recommendations. So seriously, if you have recommendations for... I guess a lot of the times the movies we like would technically be considered psychological thrillers. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. We like some of the flat-out horror as well. We just... We don't need all the gore. Yeah, yeah. And I'm... 
I like something. I mean, you like a jump scare way more than I do. You really do. like a jump scare. <laughs> I need something that's maybe a little more than jump scares, I think. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, I need something more than jump scares, too. It's just, I never understand the people who bag on jump scares. I'm just like, oh, no, I think they're great. You know, talking about, <laughs> that's better than a cup of coffee any day. My goodness. <laughs> But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week, so make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. Ooh, we are like two weeks away from San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing your little uh, display of uh, pendants behind you as we mm. speak. So. Mm, yeah, I'm going to actually put a couple of my um, the drawings from the Dragonfall Drawing Challenge. Oh, that's so cool. I don't know. It's really nervous-making. I mean, it's like, as an artist, it's like... You don't want to undersell yourself, but you also don't want to put a price and have everybody be like, nah, I don't trust in that. (laughs) The eternal problem, because it's like you don't want to give away your stuff for too little money. But at the same time, it's not doing you any good if it's just sitting there not being sold. I've had a few craft shows like that before. Ah, as have many of us, so... Fingers crossed, hoping everything goes well. We've got Alex and Lauren and Ariana and myself will be there. And don't know what the whole situation of Hall H is going to be with the major movie studios are kind of pulling out because of the writer's strike. So, But I don't know. I never go to the Hall H stuff myself because I don't want to spend um, an entire evening in line. That's not interesting to me. Yeah, their uh, Galaxy Con is coming up in Raleigh fairly soon, and I think they're going to have a lot of uh, guest appearances by Star Trek actors, which should be interesting. I haven't decided if I'm going to go yet. I still haven't finished that Emojibot costume, and it's going to be really hot, so I don't know if that's going to be a summertime costume anyway, but we shall see. I haven't decided if... I don't think I'm going to wear the emoji bot this time. I'm thinking I'm going to save that for the next time you and I are at a convention together. Yes, yes, that would be great. Anyway, all that and more, pixeladygeek.com. So next week we will, of course, have a Night Vale episode since technically... Oh, no, we won't, because Night Vale's on hiatus for July. That's Ah! right. Oh, man, we've got to find some filler. Okay, we'll find some filler, something that distracts us, or maybe a fan art gallery. I don't know, because we're specific. But (laughs) one way or the other, we'll talk to everybody, you know, maybe one week, maybe longer. I don't know. (laughs) Talk to you later.
So, start that all over again. <laughs>